Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And today we're doing writer's training, how to freelance for fun and money. And our guest today is Peter Bowerman. During the next hour, you are going to learn how to dump the low pay writing grind and actually make money, how to make a good living, even with just modest writing skills. Okay, Peter, somehow that's all coming on the air here. So I'm not sure. That's okay. That's okay. We'll just start over. Hang on. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg, and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. We're doing writer's training today, and the topic is how to freelance for fun and money, and our guest is Peter Bowerman. Uh, Today we're going to learn about how to dump the low-paying writing grind and actually make money, how to make a good living, even with just modest writing skills, the freelancing segment that actually has needs and pays handsomely, insights. Okay, shoot. Sorry about that. That Now I muted myself right in the middle of it. I was trying to mute you because I was still hearing noises there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start the recording, then I'm going to mute you. <laughs> Then I'm going to bring you in when it's time to talk, because once you're talking, we're not going to hear any background noises at all. It's just when I'm talking, then we can hear everything you're doing. Okay, so we'll start one more time. Okay. Are you an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible? Join us at Marnie.com for author training. You will learn how to write it well, get great graphics, attract an agent, format it for e-readers, get good reviews, connect with libraries, and market via media. All over at the author training at Marnie.com. Check it out today. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Today we're doing writer's training, and our guest is Peter Bowerman. We're going to be talking about how to freelance for fun and money. During the next hour, you are going to discover how to dump the low-paying writing grind and actually make some money, how to make a good living even with just modest writing skills, the freelancing segment that always has needs and pays handsomely, insights into commercial writing and the mindset required to succeed, how to build a portfolio even if you're just starting from scratch, the good economic reasons why companies hire freelancers and are willing to pay well, plus why commercial writing pays so much better than journalistic writing. Our guest today, Peter Bowerman, is a 23-year veteran copywriter. He's a speaker and business coach. He's the author of five award-winning books, including The Well-Fed Writer, Financial Self-Sufficiency as a Commercial Freelancer in Six Months or Less, and The Well-Fed Publisher. And he is also here with us to share his insights on all these topics. Welcome to you, Peter. Thank you, Marnie. It's good to be here. Well, your website is called thewellfedwriter.com, and uh, over there you really work with people who are tired of writing and writing and writing and not getting paid. So how did you ever end up being there? Uh, how did you become this guy? Well, it's a, that's a good question and a good story. So I was actually in, in sales for uh, about 15 years, starting door-to-door in college, uh, selling books. And and for those people out there saying, well, you know, no wonder you've done well. You've been in sales for 15 years and all that. Well, keep in mind that I, when I started my business, I had no writing background, no writing training. I had never written anything for money, um, and I had no industry contacts. And yet, um, once I started, um, I was paying all my bills uh, inside of four months. So wow. um, yeah. I had always wanted to write, but um, I wasn't willing to starve at it, frankly. And um, I came across a book um, 
by a commercial freelancer, a guy named Bob Lai, who's kind of an icon in our industry, and uh, discovered that, you know, who knew that companies, large and small, uh, actually hired freelancers uh, to to do their you know a lot of their uh, their writing they handled most of their writing not most but a lot of their writing needs and sure a lot of companies still do it in house but there's enough companies who have learned and we'll get into you know why it makes sense for them to do that um, enough companies have uh, realized that there's some real economic advantages to uh, to hiring uh, people from the outside. So um, um, I, uh, I got started, and I looked at this book, and I said, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. And, um, and again, I, I got busy and uh, was paying all my bills in, in uh, what, you know, well under six months. So, um, hmm. you know, and you, 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 say, you, know, you say freelance writing, and most people think journalism, magazine writing, newspaper writing. There's also what's known as the content mills, you know, all those little articles you see online uh, when you Google something. A lot of that stuff is being written by uh, people for very, very low amounts of money um, because they're stuffed with keywords and they're designed really to just draw people to a site. That's not the world that... Uh, um, that I'm, you know, operating in, uh, you know, there's there's another arena, and and we'll obviously we'll get into it that has a lot of work and uh, pays well, and uh, but it's not a, a get rich quick proposition, and I want you know people to understand that it takes a lot of work to get established, but if people know that they're good writers, uh, and not just your mother and your friends tell you so, uh, <laughs> right? The, you know, you're halfway there. So when we think about dumping the low-paying writing grind and actually making some money, um, is it just a, is that the mindset that you've just got to shift gears and say, okay, I've always been thinking about doing it this way. Now I have a different, I have a different mindset. I have a different opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, it's interesting that you that you put it that way because um, I hear a lot from people who say. You know, I go on these online uh, job boards like, um, I guess the new one is Upwork. Upwork.com is what, you know, Elance and Odesk, you know, got bought by Upwork. And, um, and you know, and people are advertising their services for ridiculously low amounts of money. And how am I supposed to compete with that? I mean, that's ridiculous. And, and, I, and I understand the, the frustration, but... Uh, you know, the, the field that we're in is very, very different. You don't go online and bid on jobs that have been posted there, which, you know, which is a surefire way um, to make very little money when you're bidding against a bunch of other people because, you know, that's just law, that's you know, just, you know, econ 101 that if the supply of writers is much greater than the actual number of jobs, it's going to drive the, you know, the pay down to nothing. And rather, in our field, we're actually going out and finding the work. You know, we're, we're, we're contacting through any number of means um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the businesses that would hire people like us. Um, and they're looking for something more than just someone who can write an article, uh, which everybody can write, uh, or, or any, any decent you know, writer can put one together. 
And so, um, so yeah, it is about kind of shifting your mindset because a lot of people don't even know that this field exists. You know, they think that the, the alpha and the omega of freelance writing is is writing articles. And so, um, so it's kind of like one of those hidden in plain sight deals because it is so big, but it's also relatively unknown. So you, you have been able to make a good living, and you've been helping other people figure out how to make a good living. And you say that you can even do it with modest writing skills. So talk to us about why, why you can do it with modest writing skills. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a friend who um, has been a writer uh, for a long, long time. And for many years, she did uh, a lot of magazine work. And she was very good. And and make good money. But of course, the magazine and newspaper world has sort of imploded in the last 10 or 15 years, and it's completely changed. And, um, and so she kind of, unfortunately, has had to move more into the commercial realm, which she doesn't like as much, but it, you know, it pays better. But she said something to me some years back, which I kind of bristled a little bit when she said it, but there's some truth to it. And she said that commercial writing is for uh, people who aren't good enough to make it as magazine writers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, of course you kind of go, ouch, you know, when somebody says that. But the fact is that, you know, and, and it's even truer now, you know, to, to make a good living as a magazine writer today, and, and it was certainly the case before, but even more so today, you have to be amazing. You have to be really, really good and really talented and, and just, you know, have a command of a lot of information and experience and all that. You know, the commercial writing field, you don't need to be. You don't need to be as brilliant a writer. You need to be a good writer. No one's going to hire you if you're, you know, if you're crappy. But, um, you know, there's a, um, you know, and yes, there are different levels in commercial writing. If you want to get into the real clever, creative type stuff like, you know, writing ad copy or doing direct mail where, you know, it's all about response rate and so there's a whole psychology to it and all that. Yeah, you got to be very, you, you, you can't just make it, you know, as an, as an average writer. But there's a, there's a, you know, a wide number of fields like healthcare, financial services, high tech, manufacturing, um, you know, just these kind of bread and butter businesses that have an ongoing need for um, good, clear, concise communication. It doesn't have to be a work of art. Uh, in fact, they don't really want a work of art. Um, mm, I've, yeah. you know, I've, always, I've always thought about how, you know, good writing, uh, you know, unless, it's, again, it's something super, super creative, um, good writing really um, should be invisible. Um, you know, it, you shouldn't notice it. Um, it should communicate what needs to be communicated, but you shouldn't go, ooh, that's really good writing, you know. Um, and and that's, that's, really, that's really the key. And so, again, clear, concise communication. So, yeah, I've seen over the years any number of people who have pretty modest skills, you know, and, and they'd be the first to admit it, but they have found a niche, uh, and that's often the key is, becoming that kind of go-to person for this industry or that industry. Or, um, and, uh, and, and there's a, there's a steady need of, of that kind of writing. So. Huh, 
cool. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Peter Bowerman of the wellfedwriter.com or just wellfedwriter.com. You want to check out that website. We're going to come right back and talk about the freelancing segment that always has needs and always pays handsomely, as well as insights into commercial writing and the mindset required to succeed. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Alisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com that's www.biblestudyexpo.com Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're talking today about writing and how to freelance for fun and money. Our guest today is Peter Bowerman of WellFedWriter.com. Peter, before the break, we were talking about how to make a good living even with modest, um, with modest writing skills. Now we want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about freelancing segments that always has needs and pays handsomely. And you kind of already alluded to it a little bit, the commercial, the commercial segment. So um, let's talk about a little bit more of that. Um, the commercial writing segment, maybe the mindset required to succeed, and like um, where you're going to, like where are we looking for this? Where, where, right. where is this? Where is this segment? <clears throat> well, um, good question, and, uh, and it's good to get sort of that those baseline, like what is this animal <laughs> uh, established? Um, this actually comes right off the back of my my book, uh, and it says um, writing drives business. In the course of communicating with its customers and employees, a typical corporation generates an enormous volume of writing. So any, you know, in the course of, of communicating with prospects and clients and their own employees, um, there are countless projects, you know, marketing brochures, ad copy, newsletters, websites, case studies, white papers, video scripts, executive profiles, company history, landing pages, um, anything that, you know, and that's just literally a fraction of the, of the things that might need to be uh, created, you know, names, uh, taglines, which is one of my specialties. Um, and, you know, a company has several options for, you know, th- there's no question that those things need to get done. The only question becomes how are they going to get them done? And so most people would imagine, well, of course, a company would create all that stuff in-house. And a lot of companies do. Um, but enough companies don't uh, that there's, and, and, and for good reasons, which we'll get into, um, enough companies don't that there is a, you know, a real bona fide business there. So, um, you know, it, 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 it just, when you start thinking about, um, you know the stuff that we get in the mail. Let's say you know we'll get a we'll get a postcard for our local dentist, or we'll stand in line at the bank and we'll see little brochures in the racks for their different services, or or you know we go look at a car and you know we see a real gloss, nice glossy brochure, and so we think we might think that that's you know that's most of what needs to be written out there. Well. That's just a, that's what's called business to consumer. That's the stuff that businesses 
will create for you know their their potential customers us um, to uh, to inform us or educate us or sell us or whatever. Well, that's a very very you know that's just one segment of the uh, of the writing world. The, the second far bigger segment is business to business, B to B. And that's all of the materials that businesses are creating to sell and market and inform and train and you know um, all of um, all of their you know their their customers, the people that they're interacting with. So um, and then you add to that internal communications, which is all of the stuff that gets creative within a corporation to communicate with their own employees. And you would think, well, certainly that stuff would get created internally. Well, yes, a lot of it does, but a lot of it doesn't. You know, I have worked for internal uh, marketing communications firms, which means here's an outside company being hired by a corporation solely to create all of the internal communications. And then they, in turn, turn around and hire me because it's, it makes more financial sense for them to not have writers on staff and just hire people from the outside. So you start getting a sense of the vast amount of work that's possible. And you know, when, so companies have a choice. They can either do that in-house, they can hire an agency, like in the case of the one I just mentioned, um, or some combination of that and someone like me. You know, I'm, Peter, I'm a freelancer. Yeah, so when, when we're thinking about this, like for me, um, you know, that example that you used is kind of surprising because I would think that in a specific industry you'd have to have people who knew the processes and knew everything about it in order to have the writing come out to mm-hmm. make sense to the, you know, the, the correct audience, especially correct. the insider audience. So how, do, how does an outside writer um, actually – find a way to say, I could do this for you because it doesn't seem reasonable to me that they could? Okay. You know, good, good question. And some of the, and there's a couple of answers to that. Um, if a subject is not terribly technical, um, then, and, and a lot of them aren't, uh, it's, you know, it's a matter of just getting up to speed uh, on what it is. And sure, a company ideally Will would love to find a writer if they're if they're you know in the market for a freelancer. They would love to find a writer who who knows their business inside and out. Well, that's not always realistic. And 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 here's one of the things that I've learned about the the business world. And anyone out there who's in the business world probably gets this: that the pace is so fast and they have so much going on that they don't have time to to vet. 20 different writers to find just the right writer. You know, they're scrambling to get things done, and if you cross paths with them at the right time uh, and, you, and your writing is decent and, you're, and you, you know that your product is not terribly technical and doesn't, have, doesn't require real in-depth esoteric knowledge of a particular science or technology or whatever, then chances are good you're, gonna, you're going to um, give them a shot, you know, especially because you, you need to get it done. The, 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 the second part of the answer is 
that this is what I tell people as, you know, leverage what you know. So somebody, let's say somebody is coming out of, I get people who come out of all industries who decide they hate being in the telecom industry or the financial services industry or law or healthcare or whatever, but they have all this experience in those fields. And so those kinds of people can, can present themselves and position themselves as an expert in that field. And those are really the best. So your instincts are correct. The, the people who come from a particular industry who will then turn around and say, okay, I don't like working in healthcare, but um, I could write for that industry because I have all this experience. And, and, and people get that there's a huge difference between working in an industry, dealing with the politics, having to get up every day and do a commute, you know, 45 minutes an hour each way, uh, deal with, you know, people you don't respect, versus working out of your house, getting up when you want to, and writing, you know, right. for, that, for that business. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it can work both ways. I've, I've, I've done a lot of work with companies where I didn't have any particular experience in that, but they felt comfortable enough and I came highly recommended enough and their product or service wasn't so technical that they were concerned. But, you know, had I been up against a writer who had 10 or 15 years of experience in their field and also seemed to be able to write well, that person probably would have gotten chosen over me and I would get it. You know, I, I understand that. So, um, so absolutely, you know, anybody who's listening to this, if you have, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be, a vast amount of experience, um, you know, five years, ten years, whatever. I mean, it could be that or more, but um, I've, I've had cases where people have leveraged a very small amount of experience. Um, but if you have a certain experience and, a, and an expertise and a body of knowledge uh, in a particular field, then you absolutely can leverage that uh, into that field because, you know, it, every field needs to have stuff written. And, and so why not leverage what you know and make it easier for yourself? That's the thing I tell mm -hmm. people. Someone says, well, I don't have a lot of writing experience. I don't have a lot of samples. Okay, I get that. But, you know, 10, 15 years of, of experience in that industry is going to go a long way towards making someone comfortable with the fact that, you know, your portfolio you is huge. You know? right. Um, right. So, so there's, yeah. you know, there, there's no, like, you know, hard and fast rules about how all this works. Well, we're going to talk in future segments here. We're going to talk about the portfolio, and we're going to talk about yeah. the financial side of things, like, you know, how to actually think about the money part. In this section, though, and you guys, I know you want to read the whole book, The Well-Fed Writer, Financial Self-Sufficiency as a Commercial Freelance Writer in Six Months or Less, and you can get that from wellfedwriter.com. But just now, Peter, when we're thinking about this freelance segment, and maybe let's just talk to the person who does have some kind of a field of expertise. They've either been a nurse or, you know, a teacher or whatever. And now they're like, I really want to either supplement my income or I want to actually get into this as a full-time gig. And what are they, how are they going to think, you know, it's a big world out there. You know, how, how do they narrow it down to deciding I'm going to contact this organization or that organization, I mean, how do, you, how do you narrow it down once you decide kind of the direction you're going? 
Yeah, no, that's and that's a very good question. And I do a lot of coaching, one-on-one coaching with people, and this is one of their biggest um, challenges. Is you know, it's like you say, it's a big world. Where do I start? So, um, so, and again, there's no there's no right or wrong wrong way to go about it. But um, you know, what I typically say is, you know, you start with sort of a skills assessment. You know, what am I good at? What do I have experience in? Um, what would I be willing to to write about based on based on that experience? And again, it doesn't have to be an enormous amount of experience, but enough so that you you know feel feel comfortable doing something uh, writing for that industry. And um, you know, and and then once you figure that out, and you know, if someone doesn't have a specialty, you can still move forward. You know, in a general sense, uh, in that okay. The sweet spot for our business would be companies that have, say, 50 to 200 plus employees. Okay. Now, because no, so it's not necessarily just <clears throat> big, huge corporations. Um, so, if someone's starting as a generalist, that's the ideal type of company because they are small enough to not be likely to have that sort of resource in-house, but they're big enough to have the money to pay for it. And given that they're smaller, they're also not as stodgy and um, rigid in their thinking that a big company, you know, I mean, I have a lot of big companies on my, you know, I worked for Georgia Pacific and Bell South and UPS and Coca-Cola and um, the CDC and, and you know a, a number of you know big name companies. It looks really good on a resume, but a lot of those companies there's a lot of bureaucracy and there's a lot of legal stuff, and and it's they it, it, you're kind of looked at as the help, you know, as opposed to you know a real partner. Whereas the smaller companies, for a lot of reasons, um, are where our um, I'm kind of getting off your point here, but point being that. If someone's starting in general sense, they can start with a with a market segment, a type of market segment. If they have, if they know that they are, they want to pursue, say, financial services or healthcare or whatever, then it's a matter of. I mean, there are any number of databases, some of which you can access through the library um, for free. If you had to buy them on your own, it'd be thousands of dollars that you can use to compile a list and you can drill down by the type of business and number of employees and um, the, the, the revenues and even get contact information and all that. So um, there's the book of lists. You know, most medium-sized cities even, and certainly large cities, have a business journal that comes out every week. And one of the publications of that business journal is the book of lists. And that's published once a year, and it can, you can get that in a digital form. And so it's, you know, the top 50 uh, of different types of practitioners throughout a city with all the contact information and, you know, all that. So there's, you know, there's any number of ways. I mean, I could go on um, like superpages.com or ultimatepages.com, which is basically like a white and yellow pages online directory, and I could create a list that way. I could say, um, you know, banks uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, and, and they, they would generate this list for me with contact information and all that. I might not have the contact person's name, but even that's not that important. 
at that point. So, just the, so there's you know there's any number of ways to go about it. But the main thing I tell people is, you know, what are you good at, and who would find your skill sets to be of value to them? Um, and you know, so some so you're kind of working backwards uh, in, in a sense. So. Uh, and again, this is sometimes the hardest part of it is figuring out where do I fit in in this industry. But the, the you know the key being leverage what you know because any edge you can give yourself out of the gate, the better it is. You know, it, uh, right. you know, I have people who you know, have 20 years and some experience and they're trying to make it as a generalist. I'm like, why? You know, that's <laughs> silly. I mean, you could you could you could make it. You you could do that, but you'll beat your head against the wall, and you'll be like everybody else. Whereas if you say, you know, I got 20 years and whatever, um, that's going to open up a lot more doors. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is Marnie Swedberger visiting today with our guest Peter Bowerman of WellFedWriter.com. We're going to come back and talk about how to build a portfolio and how to actually pitch yourself as a writer right after this break. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back. You are with Marnie's friends today for writer's training with our guest Peter Bowerman of wellfedwriter.com, and we're talking about how to freelance for fun and money. In this segment, we are going to talk about how to build a portfolio, even if you're starting from scratch, and some of the phraseology and some of the stuff that you're going to use when you first begin to pitch a company with your services available. Peter, as you start out and you think about this uh, person who wants to do writing, and maybe they have some writing, but not a commercial writing portfolio. So right. what are you going to say? What are, you, what are they going to gather together to get going on this? Well, um, you know, a lot of people do come, you know, they're drawn to this field because they know that they're good writers. And they may have, you, you know, they, some of them may even have been writers within a company, but let's say someone isn't. But e even in those cases, they often find that they're called on by the company they work for because they know that, you know, they, they're good at writing for the writing projects that come up. So, so often I'll just say, you know, first, First stop is, you know, do you have any pieces that you have gathered over the years from your different jobs that could fall into the category of, you know, commercial writing? And 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 you're and you're absolutely correct. It's not just you can't just make it as a commercial writer with a bunch of articles. Um, you know, it, it has to be more of the the, the uh, marketing, copywriting type stuff. Um, you know, I'll suggest. Um, do you have friends and family who you could do some work for on a pro bono basis? Um, let's say they're starting. You know, their friends or family are starting a business, and they need some web copy written, or they need a brochure written, or they need some success stories written, or um, or, or even an article that's say more of a 
you know, a trade article type of thing, you know, about a particular industry or something. Um, so that's another thing to, to, uh, um, to, to another way to go about doing it. Uh, pro bono in general could be, you know, going to uh, a, a charity, a nonprofit that you uh, maybe have a particular interest in. Uh, and I did some of this when I first started out. And, uh, and, and volunteer your services to help them with some um, different uh, pieces. Now, the key in all of this is that you also want to be, um, you want to find a, a design partner um, so that you know the fruits of your labor are just not you know words on a pay on a words you know Microsoft Word screen, um, and uh, you know you want your stuff to actually be in a layout. Now there's a lot of people out there who have some basic layout skills, and so maybe that's all you need. But um, I really encourage people, and, and a good strategy. And I know this is a good strategy because I've talked to graphic designers who teach design at some of these like technical colleges and stuff and they say these kids are hungry to build their portfolios. So, you know, if you can get with these people and basically, I'm starting out, you're starting out, let's, you know, let's put our heads together and either collaborate on um, on pro bono projects or make up projects from scratch for fictitious companies. Um, and I write it, and you design it, and we both end up with a sample, and no money changes hands. Okay, so that's you know that's one strategy, and and the, you know the creating portfolio is 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 absolutely um, bona fide. I mean, if if you go to some of these like art institutes here in Atlanta, it's you know Creative Circus and Art Institute and and um, Portfolio Center where where people, kids are trained to become art directors and um, uh, you know, and copywriters in it, you know, for advertising agencies. That's what they do. They make up a portfolio from scratch because they're not working with real clients. So, um, so that's you know, that's that's another way of going about doing it. So there's, there's Peter? you know, yeah, yeah. Can you just tell us what would be in the portfolio? Um, like, what are the components of it? Well, you know, again. You're, you have to say what are what am I what yeah what might I be asked to to create in the real world? So it could be a brochure, it could be um, a series of ads, it could be um, a series of direct mail postcards, it could be a case study, it could be some web content. Um, you know those are going to be some of the key you know project types and. You know, in the Well-Fed Writer, for instance, you know, I talk about websites. And in the back, I actually have a list of copywriters' websites, including my own, where I say, go and look at these portfolios, study them. There we go. You, yeah. You know, look at look at how these projects are, you know, are, are being created. As a matter of fact, I mean, your your question kind of points to what I've always thought was sort of this missing piece, and and you know. I don't want to get too you know promotional here, but you know I actually started. I, I've been doing group coaching for uh, about seven years now, and just last fall I changed my approach to one of craft. So instead of just marketing, it was you know now I help people. Uh, we actually study samples. You know we look at the architecture of sample of, of a brochure or a case study or a white paper or a direct mail campaign or whatever, because um, for a lot of people this is the missing piece. You know they can they can get okay. I understand the business. I understand who the people are who hired me. I understand how to go about you know 
reaching them, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then what happens when they land the job, you know? So, um, and, uh, but, but this, this kind of, um, it's, it's, that's where you have to be thinking in terms of, okay, what are the project types that, that I'm going to be asked to do? Uh, and so you want to have some of those in your portfolio. That's why this thing isn't, you know, um, you know, isn't a, a get-rich-quick scheme. But, you know, this is a field that right out of the gate, you know, in a major metro area, someone, you know, someone starting out can reasonably, assuming they've got decent skills, um, you know, someone can reasonably expect to make 50 or 60 an hour, you know. Um, well, you're not going to find that in most writing fields. You know, um, right. I, you know, I'm at a point in my career where I get anywhere from about 125 to 150 an hour, and it often ends up being far more than that. And and when I say um, far more than that, you know, you, you're estimating projects based on flat fees, not per hour. And so, if I estimate a project that I think say it's going to take me eight hours to do and I'm at 125 an hour, let's say, so I'll estimate $1,000. Well, what if that project only takes me six hours? Okay, well, I've just upped my hourly rate to, you know, one, just under 170 an hour. And, and if it's a recurring type project, which I've had a lot of over the years, um, you may set a price at the outset for a certain, like a newsletter or a set of this or a case study or a white paper. But every time you do one and you get more familiar with your subject matter, it gets easier and it takes you know, less time, but you're still making the same amount of money. So you know, I've had projects where I make $300 an hour um, for, for some of them and the client's happy to pay it because they have the money and it's worth it to them to get that predictable superior outcome. You know, and that's the kind of client you want. It's not the one who's you know, watching every penny and um, the company has enough money to say we're able to pay good money to get good results. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know I had a girlfriend who did a, a newsletter for a major uh, airline, and she just charged um, 50 bucks an hour, and it was a 12-hour project per month, and she is $600 a month for that one project. And like you said, as, it, as time went got mm-hmm. by, it didn't take 12 hours anymore. Now it took you right. know, eight right. hours or six hours, you know, and depending on how much she had advanced and pooled up, you know, some months, very, very little. So I think that uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Now, when you go to pitch a corporation, let's say that you have a company in mind that you want to say, um, I think that this company would be a good fit for me. Um, so you're ready to go forward. I'm assuming you don't send your whole portfolio the first blush. What's like a first and a second and a third maybe step in, in reaching out? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that, that's a good question. So um, first of all, um, if you're, well, certainly if you're a generalist and even if you're, you know, more of a specialist but you still have a, you know, a, a, a number of, contacts that you could make with companies, you're probably, I really encourage people, don't spend a lot of time researching a particular company before you call them. Um, It's a waste of time. Um, Fact is, and this is sort of a given, anywhere from 75 to 80% of the companies that you contact aren't going to be interested, you know, for whatever reason. They do it in-house. They you know, I was going to say they, they also they all have other writers they work with, which is actually a good prospect. It may not be a good prospect right now, 
but it's a great prospect because they're already sold on the idea of hiring someone from the outside, you know, so, so that's someone that you definitely want to keep in, in the database. But the fact is that, um, you know, you could spend, even, even if you spend five or ten minutes, uh, you know, researching a company before you call them, you know, five minutes times 12, you know, one hour to, to research 12 companies, you could, you know, you could make 12 calls and find out that none of them are interested. Well, that's, then you just wasted your time. Better to just build a list and start reaching out either through cold calling and no cold calling is not the only way to go about the process, um, but it's a, it's a proven way and I don't care what people say about, you know, oh, cold calling is dead, which is such idiocy, but I won't even get into that. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, um, you know, direct mail is a proven, you know, whether it's just a postcard. And that's all I recommend to people is just a postcard. All you're trying to do at the outset is just determine if someone is in the market for what you have. So when I, you know, when I contact, if I do a cold calling campaign, and I started out doing cold calling because um, I wasn't really afraid of picking up the phone. And no, just for the record, it's not the same as a telemarketer who interrupts you during dinner selling aluminum siding or whatever. I, you know, people get these ideas in their mind, and it's like it is nothing like that at all. And you, know, you are a professional selling a professional service to other professionals. And most importantly, they don't view you as, right. as a, the same way that they would view a telemarketer. So I will call up a company. Let's say... Not too long ago, I did a, um, a, a call, you know, calling campaign to graphic designers. And I've been actually very successful uh, building partnerships with several uh, graphic designers. And that's a, that's a wonderful partner because a graphic designer and a writer together are the only two together who can really execute an entire project from start to finish. I write it and then she'll actually take it or he will take it through the you know, the design stage and the printing stage and the, you know, implementation and all that. And so, um, and, and, and they're wonderful, um, you know, prospects because once you land one and, you're, and they love your work, you know, every time they find work, you know, that, that needs writing, they turn around to you. So, so it can be a, you know, it can be an ongoing um, source of, of business that you don't have to work that hard for. Not not that easy, of course, and you got to be really good. But you know, I, I use that uh, with good success. So I might call them up and say, you know, good morning. My name is Peter Bowerman. I'm a freelance copywriter here in Atlanta, and I'm just calling to see if you have any ongoing or occasional needs for help in creating uh, marketing materials, brochures, ads, newsletters, web content, that kind of thing. You know, would you be the person to talk to? Okay, that's it. You know, you just you just start with that. Now, you don't necessarily say that to the receptionist. If you're calling the reception, you know, if you're getting a receptionist, you just say the marketing department or marketing communications department. But then you would launch into that, you know, second, um, you know, little longer pitch when you finally have someone on the phone who is in one of those departments. So, so you're just trying to determine whether they even have any interest. And it really doesn't make that much difference if you have. I mean, yeah, it's nice if you have a name. But it's you know someone's either going to be in the market for what you have, or they're not going to be in the market. With call them by name, it's just going to make all that much difference to them. So, so Peter, um, you're calling yourself a copywriter. You're calling yourself a copywriter, and what is you're not asking for a job. You're asking for freelance work. So, what is it? What is the phrase that you use there that helps them identify? I don't want to fill out an application. <laughs> 
no, no, no. I, I want to be a freelancer. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and understand, and this is funny, but it's funny you say that because, you know, I will tell people, especially people who are just deathly afraid of cold calling, you know, I say, you know, it's going to be the funniest thing about this. When you finally get up the nerve to call, you know, you're going to go, oh, my God, they, they, they acted like it was the most natural thing in the world for me to call. Hey, that. Peter. Say, Peter, something yeah. happened there where you got really far away and echoey. Can you come a little closer to your microphone? Okay. Is that any better? Oh, so much better. Okay. So you were oh, saying. So weird. That... All I did was set the phone down. So, um, okay, okay. Yeah, no, big difference. <laughs> um, so I was saying that, um, you know, when, when I talk to people who are terrified of, of cold calling and I say, when you finally get the courage up to do it, you're going to be amazed um, you know, and, and they, they often are, and they'll write me back, oh, my God, this is amazing. They, they acted like it was the most natural thing in the world for me to be calling them, which it is, meaning that they understand the need for writing in their business, they the client. So when you call them, you, you're not going to have to explain to them, you know, okay. what, what, what you're, what, you know, they're going to get it more than, more than, you know, someone starting out gets it. That's one of the big revelations. It's like, oh, my God, wow. He was right. He wasn't making this stuff up. I mean, people have this idea that they're going to call up, you know, a client and you know, start explaining. The client's going to go, what? Who? Copyright? What? <laughs> like, like they're going to be completely confused as to who you are and why you're calling when, in fact, they go, you know, he was a writer from time to time. Or, no, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much set right now. Or da, da, da. But, you know, it's a very – writing – you know, marketing writing and, and writing in general within a business is an integral part of their of their marketing um, equation. They so they understand the importance of it, and so that's why um, you know that's why we can command you know the, the the kind of money because they know how important a good writer, what a difference a good writer can make. Mm, so cool. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Peter Bowerman of WellFedWriter.com. We're going to come right back and talk about the good economic reasons why companies hire freelancers and pay well and why you need to know that and really own it and why commercial writing pays so much better than journalistic writing. We'll be right back. Do you want to be sure to get in on every last training and connection opportunity available for you through Marnie.com? Connect with us today at your favorite social media outlet like Facebook or Twitter via the links at the bottom of the page at Marnie.com. And while you're there, request the Marnie Minute. These are short email notices that go out a few times a week to remind you about valuable online training. Thanks for the honor of partnering with you in ministry and life. Be sure to stop by Marnie.com today. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg with Marnie's Friends, and you're joining us for a writer's training today on how to freelance for fun and money. Our guest today is Peter Bowerman of WellFedWriter.com. Peter, we're going to talk in this last section about the economic reasons why companies hire freelancers. And right before the break, mm-hmm. you had said something that's really important, is that when a person begins in this um, industry to be a freelance copywriter, they may have the perspective that nobody knows what they're doing or that this is an unusual thing or they're, you know, going to have to explain it all. But you just mentioned that that's not the case, that people, this is a very 
entrenched uh, pattern that people have. And, you know, I read, a, I read a story years ago about a gal who did a research study, and she had an MBA, and she got rid of everything. She gave herself an old dumpy car, and I think she got $500 to start out. And she couldn't say that she had experience. She had to just go door to door and apply for jobs as a waitress or whatever she could think of to apply for. And she had to find a job and make a living just like she was starting from scratch with no education or nothing like that. And she, what she found was that she had to go and go and go and go. She just had to keep applying all these places, fill out all the paperwork. And then she walked into one place that actually needed somebody that day, and they hired her on the spot. And I kind of get the feeling right. that that's what's happening here. Is that right? Well, to a certain extent. I mean, I don't tell people that, you know, I mean, it's that old thing about the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know. Um, you know, you, you, you make enough contacts, and, yeah, the law of average is that you're going to come across someone who needs someone right then and there. Um, and, um, and, and, again, because they don't want to hunt around a long time, if they need someone right then and there, they're not even going to, you know, look too closely at, at your, you know, at your portfolio. But, the way I sell this business is that it is, you know, more of a longer-term proposition in that you contact a company, yes, you find out that they do indeed have ongoing or occasional needs, and yes, it's fine to, to keep in touch with them or put, you on, uh, put them on your, you know, postcard mailing list, reminder, and, or, or call them back up every couple months kind of thing. And you do this enough. And you know, and, and you'll build a business. Um, so, but in, in you know, in getting, I assume can, we can get into this question of you know why you know companies would would hire you know someone from the right. outside. Um, and and there's and this is a very important point to to understand because um, people think well you know certainly they could do it better on their own or you know whatever you know but there are. Businesses who want to stay in business make good financial decisions, and uh, hiring someone from the outside is a good financial decision for a lot of reasons. Assuming again that they can find uh, find good people, there's obvious reasons uh, why uh, it makes sense, and there's perhaps less obvious reasons. The obvious reasons are, of course, that you know when I do workshops and I say, "What's the obvious reasons why someone hire from the outside?" No salary, no benefits, no vacations to provide. Okay, um, and you know, and that's everybody gets that. And and in the past, unfortunately, that's been portrayed as a negative by the media. They say, oh, companies are letting you know um, full-time workers go, and they're you know hiring contractors and not paying any benefits and you know vacation and all that. Well, I'm one of those people. And there's a lot of people like me. Uh, you know, sort of the economy takes away, the economy gives. You know, so um, the other um, less obvious reasons are things like um, you you get a fresh outside perspective. And anyone who's worked with a in with a corporation for a long time knows that it can get very insulated and insular in terms of their thinking. Where you know you end up with this with this vernacular and jargon that only you understand, and that inevitably leaks into any materials that they create, which makes those materials not as effective <laughs> to an outside reader as they would be otherwise. So there's a, there's a value in having someone from the outside come in. Also, this is probably one of the most important reasons, they get to buy only what they need and only when they need it. So instead of having a writer on staff that they have to keep busy all the time, um, you know, uh, I, they only need me every so often. Well, if I have enough 
clients who need me only every so often, I'm going to stay pretty busy. Um, and, and plus, they get access, that company gets access to a wide range of talent. So um, if they decide that, wow, I'm really good at writing a case study for their particular business, then when it comes time to do a case study, they're going to call me because they know that they're going to get a really good job. And maybe there's someone else who does a really good job when it comes to writing web content or writing a speech or you know, whatever. So, um, so the, again, they have to, um, you know, they, they get exactly the talent that they need. So, um, and, and, and over time, um, they, you know, there's a, if they had a missed process, I mean, there's bad freelancers out there and they make mistakes and they, you know, learn and it's painful, but which sometimes makes it harder for the good people um, to get traction because, oh, you had some bad experiences with bad freelancers. But once you, you know, get in the door and prove yourself, and that's really the key is um, if you're reliable, dependable, you do what you say you're going to do, you deliver when you say you're going to deliver, you never miss a deadline, you turn in clean work. When I say clean, you know, there, there's no such thing as a writer who's never turned in a, some copy that didn't have an error, but you just make it the rare exception, you know, not the rule. Um, someone who's easy to work with uh, and who gets, who nails it pretty close on the first pass. I mean, that kind of resource is hard to find. And so once you establish yourself as being able to deliver that, you know, you, you, why would they go anywhere else? You know, think about, you know, you find the right person to cut your hair. You find the right person, you know, the right plumber. You find the right HVAC guy. You know, whatever it is. Once you find someone who does a good job at something, unless they move away or get out of the business, you're going to keep working. Well, and the other thing that makes sense is in that situation, then you've got uh, people who are referring you to other people Absolutely. when they say, oh, you know, uh, who do you use for this or that? Um, and your name will come up. I, I like I like your your list. It's a list for every writer, no matter which genre you're in, no matter what you're writing for. If you're easy to work with, if you're always on time, if you send in clean copy, if you do all these things, it's like you will really be a head and shoulder above Absolutely. the other people competing for that Absolutely, and, and, and the, the key to all this, and, and I want anyone who's listening to this to get this and understand it, and you'll see what I mean when I say it. With the exception of having a lot of experience, okay, every single one of those things you can do from day one with no experience. Right. You can be easy to work with. You can turn in clean work. You can turn work in on time, not miss a deadline, be reliable, dependable, whatever. And, it, and that stuff takes absolutely no experience, but it absolutely is rare. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a shortcut. You know, everyone's looking for a shortcut. There's your shortcut is to, is to do the things that most people aren't going to do. It's amazing how many people are sloppy and, and casual about, you know, deadlines and stuff. And, and I think we, we're in a society that, um, it, it gets enabled by a lot of people. It's like it's okay to kind of say one thing and, and not follow through because everybody's doing it. Well, that's fine, but if you do everything you say you're going to do, I mean, you'll stand out. 
and, and yeah. that, that makes the difference, absolutely. So. I think the last thing that I want to just encourage listeners to do is, is don't despise the small jobs because uh, especially when you're mm-hmm. beginning, um, you never know what kind of tip of an iceberg that little job is. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, if they offer, if they throw you a bone, don't don't walk away and say, well, I really am not interested in that. You know, if you can do it, do it. Yeah, a good good example. A couple of years ago, a cold calling campaign, I, I landed a graphic designer and they work with uh, nonprofits mostly. And the guy um, wanted to start doing his own kind of blogs and um, and writing different articles that would appeal to his client base. And he had written one piece, but he wasn't too crazy about it. And he asked me, he said, "What would you charge me to kind of edit it and you know rework it and whatever?" It was just just a you know probably a two-page, one-and-a-half-pager. So I said, you know, $300. Okay, that's a little job, you know. So, um, and on the basis of that, you know, last year alone, I built $15,000 with them, and that was just last year, and I landed them a couple of years ago. So, you know, so, you know, that foot in the door, that's what you want because that gives you a chance to really show what you can do and really show how reliable you are and, um, and, and if you have to go overboard to make them happy on that first one, within reason. I mean, you don't want to end up, you don't want to set a bad precedent in a big doormat. But, uh, um, but you, you know, you, you, you do what you need to do, and, and then, then you can always kind of be a little firm in the future on deadlines or, or you know, timing of things or, or uh, you know, how many rounds of revisions or, you know, fees or things like that but uh yeah 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 i think another reason another reason is because oftentimes that first job that you get with a client is going to be in a crisis situation you just happened to happen upon them in a moment of need and they will forever look at you as their hero the person that pulled you know pulled me out of the fire you know and if you can just step in and do it even if it's not your perfect you know your perfect scenario just do it and they'll remember you well even if they don't give you future work someone else they know may well peter we only have a couple minutes left over at wellfedwriter.com what are going to people going to find there um well you've got got a lot of free stuff (laughs) and you got some stuff that i do charge for um, there's a free report. There's a you can subscribe to my newsletter free. Um, I come up. I have a monthly newsletter which I've been doing nonstop uh, since May of 2002, um, and that comes out first Tuesday of the month. And it's for uh, for commercial pr- uh, freelancers and mostly by commercial freelancers. About 80% of it is submissions from people in the field. So it's a it's a fun piece that you know is very inspirational and informational. Um, I also have a blog, the Welfare Writer blog, so just welfarewriter.com forward slash blog, but all that's listed there as well. Um, and then, of course, my book, uh, The Welfare Writer, and companion products, which are things like toolkits and timelines, which are basically all the, the toolkit is all the forms and letters and contracts and email pitches and, you know, uh, email templates and things like that that you would need to, to do your job. Um, and, uh, and, of course, I do my group coaching as well. So, um, but, uh, uh, and if you want, I can even send you a link to, that uh, for some of my workshops that give your listeners a discount. I don't know if you're going to, you know, when you'll post this, but you can maybe add something to it. So. Yeah, well, you guys can just um, check over with him there at wellfedwriter.com and uh, check into that. One thing you had mentioned earlier, and I'm not sure if this is at wellfedwriter.com, are some samples of 
um, portfolios. Is that something that's at that website? Well, yeah, well, you can get to it from there. If you go to uh, wealthedwriter.com and click on the link portfolio, um, that will take you over to uh, my actual freelance awesome. copywriting site. And it's a little older site, and I don't have to use it much anymore. But, um, yeah, there's about 75 samples on there. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, Peter, you have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Great, and thank you all for joining us. It's always fun to have you guys join us live here at Blog Talk Radio, as well as those of you who listen around the web at our syndicated stations, as well as iTunes and Stitcher. And those of you who host us on your sites, thank you to you. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day and a terrific week, and we'll see you next time on Marnie's Friends.